being tonight, we'll come again from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. We will read the first 15 verses together as our text will come from verse 15. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 through 15, again, let us give our attention to the Word of God. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be confirmed by the Lord, and was spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You may be seated. Let us go to the Lord our God in prayer. Almighty God, our Father, as we come before you and look forward to hearing your word expounded tonight, please do not hide your face from us on account of any sin that we have committed, but forgive us our sins and turn the light of your favorable countenance upon us. And now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There is a news story going around this week, and it's about a multi-millionaire who made his money in the technology sector, 
And he's made a name for himself, not because of the money he earned so much, but it's because what he's doing now. What he's doing now is he is taking 111 pills every single day. He is spending as little time as possible outside to protect his body from the sun. He is putting himself under extreme dieting techniques and taking all manner of tests, things that cost him $2 million every year, all for this reason, so he won't die. The founder of Oracle, Larry Ellison, said this when he was asked about death. I've always had this really strong sense that death was a terrible, terrible thing. Google developed a company within the whole parent organization that's called Calico. It's highly secretive, but they have publicly announced their goal, and it's to cure aging. When asked why, one of the founders of that division said, because when I am alone, my thoughts can only turn to dark things. Billions of dollars are spent annually to cure death because the whole world is living under the fear of it. It's a terrible taskmaster. It's a terrible bondage to be under. But rich and poor, wise and unwise, old and young, are under this terrible fear. Death is coming. As we have considered in recent weeks and months the glory of the cross of Christ from Hebrews chapter 2, the final element in these categories that's given to us in these verses that have really gone from verse 9 all the way through verse 15 is this glorious truth that at the cross, Christ released forever those that have all their lives been subject to the slavery of fear of death. We're going to consider this fear of death in this verse that the Lord has given to us under four points tonight. The first is the source of fear. The second, the subject of fear. The third, the slavery of fear. And the fourth, the Savior from fear. The source of fear. The text says tonight in verse 15 that Jesus came to release those who through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. Where does fear come from? What is the source of fear? Psychologists and psychiatrists speak of something called thanatophobia. I hadn't heard that word before, but it means an intense fear of death or the dying process. According to the Cleveland Clinic, 3 to 10% of the United States population suffers from this fear. Though, interestingly, the same clinic says they think it's widely underreported. And I think they're right. Where does it come from? Does it come, as the world would tell us, from the trauma 
of having a loved one die. Or a loved one who's near death that makes us think about our own pending deaths, and that's why we fear. If that were the case, why is it that little infants get so afraid at times in their lives? Where does this fear come from? Well, the scripture tells us where this fear comes from. And I'd like to read five verses from Genesis, the very early chapters. Genesis chapter 3, perhaps you remember what took place in Genesis chapter 3. It's when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were met by that terrible serpent known as Satan. And in verse 6, after God had commanded Adam and Eve not not to eat of it, we read this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you? that you should not eat. Here is where fear entered the world. This is the source of fear, sin. Before sin entered into the world, there was no fear. But since sin entered into the world, there has been a slavery, a subjection, a bondage to fear, and specifically the fear of death. There is a knowledge in every man, woman, and child that the one that they sinned against, even the God who said long ago, do not eat of that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there is a knowledge that he knows the sin of the heart, the mind, and the hands, that he has seen it, and that he will do something about it as he has said, that knowledge and reality of God and his justice and the knowledge of ourselves and our sin leads to fear. There's a great cause of weakness in what might be called the evangelical or Protestant churches in our day, and it's, it's minimizing the heinousness and terror of sin. Sin doesn't sell very well to talk about sin. Few people want to hear it. It doesn't tickle the ear. It brings unpleasant thoughts to mind, and so many have stopped talking about sin and its heinousness. But sin is the great problem of the world, and salvation from sin is the great need of the world. And so if people are going to be delivered from the great fear and bondage to death and sin and the slavery of it, it must be spoken of lest people continue in their sin, continue in their bondage, and rather than live, they die in their sin. The source of fear is sin. But what is the subject or the focus of fear? And that's the second heading this evening, the subject of fear, or you might say the focus of fear. The scripture says of those that are in this bondage, 
They are there through fear of death. The fear is not just a general fear, or it's, it's not even speaking of that good fear that we might have in a protective fear. Fear of changing lanes without turning signals and seeing what would happen when a car is nearby. Not that kind of fear. This is a specific fear that the Lord is talking about. It is the fear of death that comes on sinners, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Lord, when he commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of that forbidden fruit, of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in chapter 2 and verse 16 of Genesis, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's where the fear came from. That's why Adam and Eve were hiding in the trees from the Lord God because of the subject of fear, because of death that was coming upon them. James 1 and verse 15, he puts it like this, Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Death. The terror of sin, the terror of the fear of death captures and brings men and women into bondage because of that one man's fall long ago. We died all. By one man's disobedience, all died in Adam. And it's appointed then for man once to die and afterwards the judgment. Whether rich or poor, whether powerful or weak, whether wise or unwise, male or female, child or adult, the soul that sins shall surely die. And what a terrible fear that brings upon the sinner. There's something merciful of God in giving that fear to us, isn't there? Because it's telling us that there is a God who is the judge. Because of that fear of death that God gives, there is then an earnest, there is a push, there is a motivation to find deliverance from that fear. The effects of sin have been confirmed by our own consciences and should drive sinners to seek deliverance from that death that is surely coming. But how many, how many think that the deliverance is going to come from science? The deliverance is going to come from a medical cure to aging. The deliverance is going to come from 111 pills per day. If the sinner allows himself just a moment to stop the entertainment, the debilitating fear of death will come right back to him. That person is not free, though he may not see any chains about his legs or irons around his neck. Yet that person is very much tonight a slave to the fear, bondage of death. Well, let's talk a little bit about that slavery of fear. For the text says that they were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Or maybe some of your translations say subject to slavery. All your lifetime. Consider the the power of slavery to fear of death. 
Maybe pictures come to mind of slavery in years past or even in other countries in the present. And we might think of someone who's in those chains that we just spoke about. Someone who can't escape them because the weight of the thing they're attached to is too great. They cannot deliver themselves. There is a a power of the thing that oppresses the one that is a slave. And the same thing is true of the one who's a slave to fear and death. He cannot do what he would because he is a slave. He cannot escape from that thing that torments his soul because he's a slave and the chains are too strong. He cannot break them and no mere man can break them. What a power is the slavery of fear and death pictured in the scripture. There is in the book of Jeremiah around the 48th chapter where judgment is pronounced against the Moabites. The Moabites who were then living at ease And Jeremiah gives this prophecy and he says to the Moabites who are worshiping their idols and are living a life of ease that destruction is coming from their enemies. Moab is going to be destroyed and there is a fear that's going to come on them. And two illustrations are given in that chapter about the fear of death that's upon the Moabites. The first is, even as we sung, it's a very common one in scripture. It's in Psalm 48, among other places, fear like a woman in childbirth. The fear of pain, the fear that can't be escaped. Only you mothers know something of that fear. We can learn a little bit from TV or observing it, but none of us men have felt it. But we know something of it, all do. Unable to escape, must go through it. No deliverance from it. But there's another Another picture that's given in that example of the fear that's coming about the Moabites that today look like they're living in ease. They're going to run for their lives and not even look back at their children. They're going to run for their lives, and since they're faster than their children, they're going to leave their children behind to be destroyed by those invading armies of whether it was Egyptians or Babylonians. They were coming. They were going to be so gripped by fear they were going to let their own flesh and blood die and they wouldn't even look back. That's fear. And that's slavery to fear. It's a powerful, powerful enemy. Consider the duration of slavery to the fear of death. The scripture says they were all their lifetime subject to bondage. All the billions that are being spent annually on research to cure aging, and yet, all of that's been done. The days of man are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there also pain in that strength. The expectancy of a man or woman has not exceeded 80 years. With all that billions trying to destroy death and cure it, it's all their lifetime subject to slavery. It gives a torment of conscience, tears into the thoughts of men and women. In John chapter 8, at the beginning of that chapter, which sadly some Bible publishers today seek to take out, But there's that account of Jesus with the woman that was caught in adultery. And it's very much part of Scripture. And and Jesus says to those that come accusing her, "Let, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. 
starting with the oldest all the way to the youngest, they all walked out of that place condemned in their consciences of their sin and the just judgment that should be upon them because of it. Their consciences were seared. Churches ought not to give in talking about sin and the fear of death because it affects every man and woman and child and there is yet deliverance from it. It controls the actions and prayers of God's people who sometimes fall back into that fear. Parents guiding their children to do things that might be the safer route because they're concerned about their child's life. Parents who would rejoice at Hannah's prayer and her promise to the Lord to give her son to the service of her kingdom. We might rejoice in that, but how many of us are willing for our children to take on that calling of Samuel, that calling of serving in God's church that might not provide the amount of money that working in finance or accounting or engineering might provide? Do we pray for those things for our children, or does fear hold us back? We cannot escape death, though we may try. Death is coming, and outside of Christ, the end of that fear and that slavery to fear is destruction, or as Jesus puts it, the place of hell. Many will make many efforts to forget about it. Entertainment and pleasures unlimited are all around you. You can distract yourself from death and the fear of it with all of these pleasures. You can ignore death by pursuing after the lusts and the vanity of such things. You can forget death by going after alcohol or drugs so that your mind is numb to the thoughts of these things that are eternal and are with us all the days of our life. Some have decided rather than fear death, they're going to embrace death and have committed suicide. Others will lavish on themselves lots of horror movies and things that are very scary and make fun of death and mock death so that they can escape this fear, but for a moment. But no matter what, just as this rich man confessed, when that person lays down on his bed at night and the entertainment is suddenly turned off, that tormentor, that fear of death is right there back again, crying out and reminding him, the soul that sins shall surely die. One day it will stop crying because it will strike and the soul that sinned will be dead. What can we do with such a torment? What can we do with such a slavery? Well, the Lord, in his merciful kindness in the book of Hebrews, does not stop by talking about salvation, which he talks so much about, and the salvation from sin, specifically. But he tells us that as Jesus Christ hung on that cross, was nailed, pierced, killed, mocked, buried under the power of death for three days, that something else happened on that cross. There was salvation from fear. And that's the fourth heading this evening, salvation from fear, for as the text says, he releases those who all their life were subject to bondage. He does not leave us there, but releases those. He sets at liberty those who were oppressed. That's why he came to set the captive free. 
How often we hear about captivity to sin and Satan, and that's true, he sets that captive free. But that captive is also a slave to the fear of death. And Jesus came to deliver his people from that fear of death. He broke through it, even in his incarnation. The angels sung of it. The stars moved. Men came from afar to make known that the king had come, the king who would save from sin and who would abolish forever the slavery to the fear of death. But how did he do it? How did Jesus do it? How does he do it? How is he doing it? Well, first and foremost, he's destroying and he's destroyed the source of fear. Sin led to fear, and Christ Jesus came and became sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. He destroyed the source of fear. Oh, our sins weigh us down. They're like scarlet. He makes them like snow. They're red like crimson. He makes them like wool not by making them simply vanish, but by becoming sin for us and dying on the cursed tree that we might be set free. He destroyed the source of fear. He went further than that. He destroyed the subject of fear. He destroyed death itself, which hangs over a man until his own death or until Christ delivers him. How does he deliver? Through death, he releases those who all their life have been subject to the bondage of fear of death. That's what he says in verse 14. This is just the continuation of it. That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Through his own death, he destroyed death. I hope that comes from these last two messages these past two weeks. Christ, in our place, destroyed death so that we might sing there's no guilt in life, no fear in death, because Christ has conquered it. Well, he destroyed the source of fear. He destroyed the subject of fear. He then destroyed slavery to fear. The chains broke off and I was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. He tasted death for his children, breaking the chains, not human devices, but the blood of Christ. Long ago in the book of Exodus, after the Israelites escaped, they were free and they were going into the wilderness and they were going to the promised land that they had been looking forward to for 400 years. But as they went, they quickly came to an obstacle. It was the Red Sea. How could they cross it? But then things became worse. Pharaoh's heart was hardened yet again, and here he came with his whole army to take them into bondage and slavery once more. And fear gripped the Israelites. They were afraid, but God, in his abundant mercy, he put forward the darkness in front of the Egyptian army. He sent that great wind to part miraculously the Red Sea, and those that were subject to the fear of death at the hands of the Egyptian army, they walked through the Red Sea and escaped the torment. Christ has opened the way of escape from fear once again tonight. 
He has done so through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The way is opened. The way is made that we might no longer fear, but might trust and have faith in Christ, who conquered the fear of death. A few moments ago, we read of Goliath and the Philistines. There they were in front of Israel and its armies. Behind Israel and its armies were their homes, their farms, their houses, their families. And the people were gripped with fear as this giant man with his coat of mail, it was 5,000 shekels, and that spear, how many men could it pierce at one throw? The people were gripped in fear, even as that wicked giant mocked and defied the living and true God. But God sent a young shepherd boy whom he had been training all his life to be filled not just with strength and cunning of arms, which he had in the ability to kill a lion and a bear, but he had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver him, and faith most of all that God would uphold his own name. And that young shepherd ran out on that field, grabbed those stones, and took one shot at that giant, and he fell dead. The good shepherd Jesus Christ came to a people that were in bondage to the fear of death and he laid down his life. He took it up again that those who were in fear might be saved from fear and brought into the joy and satisfaction of life in Christ Jesus. Peter, he could not stand up on the night of Jesus' betrayal even to one little slave girl. Aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? No, no, no. And he filled his mouth with cursing at the Lord God. And yet, that same Peter, who repented of his sin and was forgiven by Jesus Christ a few months, a few days later, not long after Pentecost, he was taken before the Sanhedrin, the same council that condemned Jesus, and he was told not to preach. And he who couldn't stand before a slave girl, he said this in front of those that could take his life that very day. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. Where does such confidence and boldness come from in one who denied God, but one who had been set free from the fear of death through the blood of Jesus Christ? Tonight, as we are here, we have such a Savior who swallowed up the grave, who's victorious over the tomb, because he who laid down his life did not stay under the power of that death, but he rose on the third day, and he lives forevermore. So, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? When the fear of death is destroyed, the slave to fear is set free. Have you been set free tonight by the slavery to the fear of death? For freedom, Christ has set us free Galatians 5 and verse 1, the Lord says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Christ has set us free to stand fast in the liberty that he's given us. 
to stand boldly in the knowledge of Christ that he has redeemed us from the fear of death, that he's taken that great, terrible chain and he has broken it, and he has loosened those shackles so that they're no longer on us. And all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered from such a slavery. Well, to those that are slaves in the bondage and fear of death tonight, I hope, by God's grace, that might not be anyone tonight. But I don't know your hearts. God does. There is good news. The good news is that the hand of the Lord's mercy is stretched out still. By hearing the word of God tonight, God is showing you that he is merciful, that he who has made such promises has made them known to you tonight. Many, many in history have been left without the knowledge of the mercy of God in the scripture, but you've received it tonight. What will you do with such a mercy of God that's been given you? The call always of Scripture is to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. That's the good news. The mercy of God is stretched out even now. But there is a warning in Scripture, and that is, if you will not believe. The Lord gives this terrible description, terrible not in a wrong description, but a fearful description of what the Lord will do. He said in Proverbs 1.27, if we will not believe in him and follow after wisdom and the proper fear of the Lord, then the day will come that the Lord will mock when your fear comes. There is a day coming on those that have not put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that they will be in tremendous fear even as we Saul in Sunday school today, running into the rocks and the cliffs, trying to hide from the dreadful voice of the Lord, and he will mock at their fear. There will be no pity in that day. Fear will be manifested terribly in the way that Scripture gives us in those two descriptions of those that are in destruction, weeping and gnashing of teeth. The salvation that is spoken of here in Hebrews chapter 2 is a salvation only for Christ's brethren, only for those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, only for the many sons that he's bringing to glory and no one else. And who are those? It's whosoever believeth on the name of the Lord. That's who this is for. It's for everyone that believes on the name of the Son of God, but it's for no one else. And so the call, of course, is to believe on the name of the Son of God and not perish. But there's another great message, isn't there, here for those that are walking with Christ tonight that are the beloved children of God, resting on his glorious, his glorious promises. What should we do? We should rise, go forth, and follow the Lord. Follow Christ. What exactly? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Even if it causes trial in life, even if it causes mockery, do I follow him then? Oh, absolutely. He's the one that's broken the chain to the slavery of death. We will follow him to whatever end, by faith, not by fear of death. That chain has been broken so that the Christian may confess that with Paul, that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. How many would say tonight that 
death would be gained for them. Some may say it foolishly, some may say it in folly, but the Christian can say it truthfully, because only the Christian has the gain of Christ in death, and that the, the passing through death is merely the entrance into glory. That's what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Several months ago now, we were in verse 9, and we considered that objection. There was the objection that, that the Lord, in the inspiration of his word, knew that people would make when they read Hebrews, or when it was read to them. The objection would be, after questioning that the Savior would be fully man, the next question was, well, how could that Savior, Jesus Christ, suffer and die? How could such a thing happen? And we were told very quickly in verse 9 that he suffered and died that the grace of God might be shown in that Jesus tasted death for every man. In verse 10, we saw that he suffered and he died that he might be the captain of our salvation made perfect in suffering. We saw in verse 11 that, that he suffered and died that he might sanctify and that he is not ashamed then in going through sufferings with them to call them brethren. Last week, we saw that he suffered and died, that through his death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And tonight, we've seen that through his death, he has released those who are all their lives subject to the bondage of the fear of death. Here is but a taste, a great taste, of the things that Christ did on the cross. Are you resting in this Christ tonight? Have the chains truly come off? Are you living free the way God has made you free through the blood of his Son? Let us rise up, go forth, and follow Jesus. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our God, we marvel at your grace and your goodness to us once again today. How precious are these words to us. To the world, they are utter folly. They'd rather spend their wealth, the short days that you've given us on this earth, pursuing what isn't there. When the very thing that they're pursuing, or it's not there in themselves, when the very thing that they're pursuing is only and always available in this hour of salvation through Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. We ask our God that you would break the chains to fear of many more that you might cause many who are tonight in the fear and torments of death, that you would cause them to see the great light that is Jesus Christ, and that they might call out to you for mercy and repentance and in faith. And though they were in that fear of death, maybe for many decades, that tonight they might see and sense the chains fall off, the bonds go loose, and that they might go forth following the King of glory. Help us who have been freed to live lives worthy of that calling and that great gift of your grace that has been poured out upon us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would rise our